1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. You are going to learn about the origins of Compassion International and the founder. We're going to be speaking with the co-author of the book, What Are You Going to Do? And his name is Matt Bronlouis. He's a Grammy-nominated, award-winning producer and songwriter. He's the author of the August Adams thrillers and is currently producing his first feature film. He was born in Dallas, but he was raised in Kansas, and right now he is a Tennessean. Well, good morning to to you, Matt. Good morning. Well, Matt, we just wanted to just take some time and have you unpack this story because I've never heard this story before. And uh, just, it's amazing what happens when God gets a hold of your heart and six simple words framed in a question when uh, Everett saw what he saw in South Korea truly transformed him and then the lives of so many. So can't wait to hear about his story and what exactly prompted him to start Compassion International. Yeah, you know, and it's pretty amazing, too, because we work with these organizations, and sometimes we don't know how they started or who started them. Um, Compassion International really got its start in the very early 50s during the Korean War. Uh, Everett was a pastor in Chicago. He was asked to go on a worldwide trip, which he did. And during that trip, uh, he met somebody. He was actually at a YMCA in Tokyo, walked into the washroom, and he heard a guy whistling. And he's like, hey, brother, you're, you're singing my tune. And it turned out that this other person uh, was able to give him entry into Korea. And that was a big deal at the time because this is during the war. Mm. The war started in 1950. This is like 1951. Nobody could just walk into Korea or fly in or whatever they wanted to. So, and, and here Everett was asking to go there. He knew that there was uh, a great effort to do humanitarian work there and to speak to the people. And at the time, he was going there in, in an effort to speak to the troops. He goes there and gets that opportunity to do that. But while he's in the streets of Korea, he's just out. He's got a coat hanging on his arm. And a kid runs by, grabs his coat, and takes off. So Everett's a sly guy from Chicago. You know, he takes off after this kid because he needs his coat. It's very cold outside. Chases the kid uh, who ends up in this little kind of shanty town, they called it. And the kid ditches the coat. Everett walks over, picks up the coat, and underneath it is this shivering little child. Everett's shocked, of course. Uh, and then he goes and he gets soup and some blankets. He comes back 
And there is not just this one child. Now, there's dozens of kids uh, shivering in the cold. So he helps them as he can. And as he's about to go back to America, just a short time later, uh, before he gets on the plane, there's a Korean pastor that talks to him. He says, Everett, now that you've seen the tremendous need and opportunity, what are you going to do? And that question, what are you going to do, is the question that changes the course of his life. Wow. What a story and what a what a great exhortation that that person had asked him to do that and made him think about it and uh, begin this. So let's let's walk backwards just a little bit. What what was Everett's early life like? How did he grow up? So he was born in 1913. He was born on December 13th, which also happens to be my birthday and famously happens to also be Taylor Swift's birthday. <laughs> so Way to be relevant. Good job, Matt. Together. <laughs> He's in the industry. <laughs> uh, he grew up in northern Illinois in Sycamore. Uh, and here's the thing, too. I, f- I forgot to say this. Um, Everett was my wife's great uncle. So this has been a family story as well. And what was so cool is I was able to talk with so much of the Swanson family in order to hear more about Everett's life, uh, to hear more about what impacted it and how all of Compassion got started. Okay, so just learning a little bit more of your tie to this story kind of gives it a little bit more depth. You're hearing the voice of Matt Bronlewy, and we're learning about Everett Swanson and the beginnings of Compassion International. And uh, I just wanted to know, how could this uh, the small-town roots and his pastorate in Chicago really help his work in Korea as he continued to move forward um, just with this compassionate outreach? Yeah, so Everett, you know, he was a preacher in a couple different churches. He was uh, at a pastorate in Sycamore, um, or I'm sorry, he was he was a preacher kind of out west uh, for a short time, came back, and then he was a preacher in Chicago um, at a church called Central Baptist. Um, but then he actually left that position to go back on the road. The thing that Everett was kind of known for were these tent revivals where he would just pop up a tent and begin to speak to people. Um, so he was very accustomed to being on the road, uh, to traveling, uh, and we see that being kind of a perfect fit for what he does later on. When he's in Korea later on, he's traveling all over the place and, pe- and speaking to all kinds of people. Um, and it's those speaking opportunities that lead him to learn more about the children in need and about these orphanages that need, needed so much help. We're in a conversation with Matt Bronlouis, and he is a co-author of the book, What Are You Going to Do? The Inspiring Story of Everett Swanson and the Founding of Compassion International. Thanks so much for being with us, Matt. Yes, glad to be here. So, Matt, as um, Everett's out there really trying to start something new, uh, what kind of challenges um, did he face as he started talking about this new opportunity? Yeah, such a good question. So many hurdles. I mean, this was a time, you know, obviously long before social media, uh, long before many ways to get the word out. So when Everett came back from Korea and he'd heard, what are you going to do? And he'd made this decision to do something about it to help these kids. um, He immediately went to work. But, you know, what did that mean back in the 1950s? 
um, he would go church to church, and over time he began uh, showing slides, pictures. Uh, he had film that he took. Um, he was a photographer and a filmmaker, which was kind of really exciting because we are working on a feature film of the same story, too. Hmm. Uh, so we feel like we're carrying on Everett's legacy in that way, too. But he would share the story of these children. Most people in America just had no idea. Um, and also now we know that over 100,000 children were orphaned during that war. So this was no small problem. Uh, there were hundreds and hundreds of kids on the street that needed help. Um, I should also mention, too, that this book isn't just about Everett. It's also about these brave Koreans that he worked with. You know, oftentimes Everett was working in the United States and trying to gather funds that would go overseas. Uh, he was very reliant uh, upon the Korean people at these different orphanages and places uh, to do a lot of the work. Um, and that was something he was very passionate about, uh, was that these local people who knew their people best uh, would be able to care for these kids. They just oftentimes didn't have the resources they needed. Um, so that's why Everett would get on the road and spread the word. And little by little, news, through newspaper articles, through speaking opportunities, through newsletters, uh, the word began, began to spread. And so I'm wondering, how did Everett, how did he even discover the sponsorship model? And how did that, how did that look? At that yeah, time? there had been, there had been a company or two that had been doing it kind of on a smaller scale. Uh, but nobody had really taken it to this bigger scale yet. And I think Everett saw the opportunity, um, especially, you know, in the earliest days, uh, the people would write directly to their children. There was an opportunity that they could actually pass letters back and forth. Mm. Uh, the children would have translators that would help them to get letters across. Of course, the same thing happens today. It's just all happening um, in a different kind of very safe way with the way that Compassion has it set up. Um, and also, uh, people would send directly to their children gifts sometimes and other things. Um, so there was that opportunity for, for this conversation to happen across uh, the seas that way. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're learning a lot about Everett Swanson and Compassion International and what was happening back in the day that actually got all of this started. And Matt, as we're wrapping up our time with you here and somebody reads this story, what do you want the reader to know or to do in response to reading this story? Yeah, I think this is a tremendous story of, of faith. You know, when we look at Everett's life, this was not a man of great circumstances or of financial means. And yet everywhere he went, you know, there was a, uh, an orphanage that desperately needed his help. He would come and he would tell them, yes, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll figure this out. I'll bring funding and really not know how. He just trusted that somehow God was going to figure this out for him. And he would come back to the States. And, and sure enough, like two weeks later, the orphanage would begin receiving uh, the funding that they needed in order to move forward. So I just think the faithfulness that Everett showed throughout the story is, is really inspiring. And I really hope everybody gets a chance to read it.